Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Hey, good morning, Fern Creek. It's great to see you. Uh, If you're visiting with us, welcome. Today we kick off a brand new series that will focus us on the Christmas season. And what we wanted to do was to walk through this uh, season with you doing an Advent experience. I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever celebrated Advent? Can I see your hands if you've... Okay, some of us have. I've never, I've never experienced Advent, and so this is kind of a new concept to me, but as I researched, Advent comes from a Latin word that simply means coming, coming. So, so, so in Advent, what we do is we, we really try to carve out some space. We try to give ourselves some room to really focus on three things about the coming of Jesus, and here they are. Number one, we look back and we remember his first coming, we look in and we reflect on the power of Jesus today, and then we anticipate with incredible hope uh, the day of his return. So, So I guess what Advent does is we rest in what was, what is, and what's to come. And one of the symbols that we use in Advent are the Advent candles, and we light a different candle every single week. And why do we do that? Because light is an important piece of our theology. The Bible talks about light a lot. God dwells in unapproachable light, the Bible tells us. God spoke into the darkness and created the light. Jesus said that he was the light of the world. So each week, During Advent, we will light a different colored candle that symbolizes something that Jesus brought, something that that is available to us today, and something that when he returns will be realized in full fulfillment. And so the first candle we light in Advent is the candle of hope, and man, hope is something we desperately need. Hope is when your team gets the ball back down by a touchdown with 60 seconds left. Hope is that, 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 that young woman who, young, young bride, who, who holds the pregnancy test up for the unteenth time, just praying to see two lines. Hope is that moment before the doctor comes in to the room where you pray that little prayer, God, let the scan come back clean. Hope is so desperately needed. And what I'm learning about hope Hope doesn't deny the darkness. Hope doesn't play down the pain. I think what hope does is it, it just stabilizes the storm. If, if you ever come with me to Rome, when we do the footsteps of Paul, we'll go underneath the streets of Rome into the catacombs, the, the tombs of first century Rome. And it's in those tombs where the first century Christians hid and worshiped when they were hunted and persecuted from their faith. And I'll show you, they've unearthed 66 drawings in those underground chambers 
of the cross of Jesus formed into an anchor. It looks something like this. And, and, and I think it comes from Hebrews chapter six where Paul says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I think that cross shaped into an anchor was a, was a reminder that the ancient Christians gave themselves that, that said no matter how choppy life gets for us, hope grabs onto what we cannot see and it holds us steady in the midst of the storm on the, the rock of God's promises. Hope was important to them. Hope was important to the people of God for a long, long time. When you read through the Old Testament, the people of God were promised hope is on the way. Someone is coming. So, someone is coming to fix the brokenness. Someone is coming to eradicate the darkness. Someone is coming. And, and it, Moses, David, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, Haggai, Habakkuk, Zechariah, all throughout those books, God told them each, someone is coming. As a matter of fact, do you know your Old Testament ends that way? The last two verses of your Old Testament, the last two verses of, 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 of Malachi says this, listen, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Now, now Malachi was predicting that the prophet Elijah would return to usher in the day of Messiah who would ultimately restore all hope. The only problem is when Malachi wrote this, Elijah has been dead for hundreds of years. So as the people are reading this, they're, they're probably a little confused. How, how, how is this gonna happen? What, what, what does he mean by this? So the Old Testament closes with this cryptic, abrupt line about Elijah's gonna come and prepare the way for Messiah who will bring hope. And then it, it just is over. The Old Testament is over. And if you wanna do something, I don't know if you have an old school Bible, one printed, right? If you break out your printed Bible, sometimes between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Malachi and Matthew, there's a blank page. And I've had you do this before, but if you'll just put 400 years because that's literally from the last two lines of Malachi to the first line of Matthew, 400 years will go by. You turn one page, you've, you've turned four centuries. And, 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 and what happens in those 400 years is nothing. Like God goes dark. There, there, there's no prophet, there's no written message from God. So for, I mean, think about that, 400 years of silence. And, and, and when you get to the New Testament, Luke doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He, he introduces us to a man who, like so many others, was just waiting. His name is Zechariah. And Zechariah is a priest. He loves God and serves God and worships God. And he's married to a woman named Elizabeth, and she loves God and serves God and worships God. And as Zechariah and Elizabeth walk through this culture that has not heard a word from God for 400 years, their souls are heavy because they are experiencing the silence of God personally. It's one thing to experience the silence of God nationally, but they're experiencing the silence of God personally. Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, really old, like 50, 
right? It's really old. And they're not able to have children. They want children, but they're not able to have children. And not being able to have a child back in that day was considered to be a curse from God. They've tried, they've sought counsel, they've agonized, they prayed, but this is all they got when they prayed. More silence. And, and, and yet, in spite of the silence, in spite of the hopelessness, Zechariah never gave up hope. I don't think he talked about it publicly, but privately he kept on praying and he kept praying, God, I know you can do it. Even now, I know you can do it. God, you, you are the God who hung the stars. God, you give us a son. Give us a son. And one day, Zechariah went to work. It was a day that started like any other day, but this was the day the silence ended. Zechariah had been chosen by lottery to be the priest who got to go into the temple. Not every priest could do that. You had to be chosen, and he got the lottery where he could go into the holy place to light the incense and to do his priestly duties before the Lord. And he was in there all by himself when the angel Gabriel breaks the silence. Listen to what we read, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Gabriel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel, will be bring, he will bring back to the Lord their God. And here it comes. Here it comes. Watch, watch, watch. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of who? Ah, Elijah. And here it comes, to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's mind-boggling. Gabriel appears to this old guy and he says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. You're gonna have a son. You're gonna have a boy. Not just any son. He's gonna be like, and here it comes, Elijah. And immediately, immediately, Zechariah, because he was a trained priest, would have gone back to the last two lines of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, where someone like Elijah would come. And then, just to make sure he, he doesn't lose it, Gabriel quotes the last line of the Old Testament. Do you remember what Malachi said? That he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. And he would prepare the way of the Lord. So, so, so listen, Malachi didn't know what, who, who was coming, but Malachi predicted the birth of John the Baptist. He didn't know how long it would take, but this is what Malachi is predicting, the birth of John the Baptist. And what Malachi is saying is, hope's not derailed. No matter how long it takes, hope's not been lost. Hope is still coming. And what a joyous moment. What an epic day is Zechariah. Here's this message, and you think, well, how does he respond? Just like a lot of us, he doubts. He's been praying for this, but he doubts and he questions and he struggles to embrace this message of hope like so many of us. Zechariah says, how can this be? How, how am I gonna have a son? I've got one foot in the grave and one on a banana peel. <laughs> this is not gonna go well. How? And in spite of his spirituality, Zechariah questioned how it could be. And as a result of his doubt, Gabriel takes his voice away. He says, Zechariah, you'll not be able to talk until he's born. I mean, a preacher not having a voice, a priest not having a voice, it's kind of like a cowboy with no horse. 
a donut with no cream. Are you with me? Right? And I find it ironic. I find it ironic. God is silent for 400 years, and when he speaks, after 400 years, this message of hope, it's, it's doubted. It's questioned. So now Zechariah will be silent for nine months. And in those moments of silence, I guarantee you, Zechariah took out his scriptures and he began to research, what does, that, what does this angel mean? What, what does this word of God mean? And I think the line he was especially drawn to was that last line, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And I think after weeks and months of studying, he, he realized his boy, his boy, will be the next one up to tell the people someone is still coming. So nine months come and go, and the day comes when Elizabeth gives birth, and what a joyous day that was as family and friends celebrated the answer of prayer by God to this couple. And, and when it was time to name the baby, since Zechariah can't talk, Elizabeth is the one who steps up and says, his name will be John. And everybody in the family says, John? Yikes, what a horrible name. John, what do you mean John? There's no John in our, sorry to any of you who are named John. So what, what is that? There's no John in our family. What's this coming from? And they all look at Zechariah. And Zechariah picks up something and he begins to write. And he says, his name will be John. And as soon as that declaration is made, his voice returns to him. And the first thing out of his mouth is the first canticle of the New Testament, the first song. He breaks out in a song, and listen to the song. Look at Luke chapter one, verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. And you, you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell the people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And friend, I, I don't know about you, but that song filled a lot of people with hope. That song of Zechariah lit the flame, rekindled the flame of not just this family, but to all the people who heard about it. And I'm telling you, it can rekindle the light of your flame as well. It can bring you great hope as well. And, and maybe you're a little skeptical. Maybe you hear this story and you think, well, that, that's great for them. Nice to know that's in the Bible. That's great for them. But what does that have to do with me? Like my situation is totally different. Like they're not fighting stage four cancer. I am. Their, their child, their son, their daughter didn't OD, mine did. Their company didn't fire them 22 days away from Christmas. They don't have an eating disorder. They aren't in a loveless marriage. Look at me. Look at me. No matter how dark your darkness is, no matter how deep the pain runs, don't you dare give up hope. Don't you dare abandon hope because you've got something Zechariah didn't have. He, he, he had something. No, you've got something that man didn't have. And here's what you've got. Zechariah's hope was someone's coming. Your hope is he's here. That, that's a big difference. His hope someone's coming. Your hope is he's here. And, and listen to who's here. Psalm 139. 
David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make the bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night will shine like the day or darkness is as light to you. The first hope of Advent, the candle we light today is the candle of hope. And the hope that you have is that you are not alone. No matter how far you run, how deep and dark it gets, God sees you, God hears you, God is with you, his spirit lives in you, and nothing, nothing can take that promise away. And if that's not enough to light your fire, come back with me. Come back with me to something that takes my breath away. Let me read it to you again. It's the first thing the angel said. Listen to what he said, Luke 1.13. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. Now, here's the flamethrower of hope. Not only is God with you, God's everywhere. Not only is God with you, he knows your name. It's overlooked. (laughs) It's totally fascinating to me. This messenger of God knew Zechariah's name, called him by name, knew Elizabeth, his wife's name, called her by name. He even named her unborn son. She probably doesn't even realize she's pregnant right now, but God knows the name of her unborn child all throughout the pages of the Bible. God calls people by name. Moses, David, Elijah, Martha, Mary, Simon. He even pronounces Malachi right. (laughs) Your name, your name is who you are. When you call someone by name, that means they are not a stranger. They're not a number. They're not a symbol. It means you're in relationship. It means there's a connection. And I'm just here today to remind you, the one who sits on heaven's throne, the one who hung every star and calls them by name, the king of kings, the one with no beginning and no end, the one who has no rival, the one who rules forever, my friends, he knows your name. Not only does he know your name, he he knew your name before it was written on a certificate. Before your mama spoke it for the first time, he knew your name. Before your granny was born, before time was created, God knew your name. And not only does he know your name, he knows everything about you. He knows your aches. He knows your secrets. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your comings and your goings. He knows your dreams and your disappointments. Out of the eight billion people on this planet, you, you stand out to him because he knows your name. Would you do me a favor? I wanna cement this. You know what's coming. Would you just do me a favor? Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, neighbor. Oh, no, we gotta, okay. Tell, neighbor. He knows my name. He knows yours too. 
but I'm his favorite. <laughs> I'll let you sort that one out. Let's land the plane. Let's land the plane. I know. I've done this a long time. I know some of you ache. I know some of you have not put any decorations up, not because you don't have time, because you don't want to. And you put on the face, but inside you're broken and you're hurting. Because man, you have been, you have been scarred and dinged and hurt by this harsh thing we call life. And we live on this broken planet and bad things happen and difficult days lie ahead. But there's still hope. No matter what you're going through, there's hope because he's with you and he knows your name. And I'm just here today to remind you that in the end, in the end, you and I will do what everyone who's come before us and 99.9% .9 of people who will come after us, we will take our last breath and we'll slip into eternity. And when that time comes, if you're there when it comes for me, if, if for some reason you come by and you hear that I'm, I'm getting close to my death and if you come and gather around my bedside, as I slip from your presence, something will happen to me for the very first time in my life. For the very first time, I will not cognitively be aware he knows my name. For the first time in my life, I will hear God say my name and he'll bring me home. So thank God hope came. Thank God hope is here. Thank God for the day hope will be fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, this year, we wanna slow down, and instead of getting sucked into the hustle and bustle of the season, where so often you get pushed into a corner. We, we want to come out of the gate and just breathe and take some time as we light the first candle of Advent to thank you for the hope you bring. I thank you that you are with us and that you know our name. May that hope be our anchor during the season that can be incredibly hard. And I pray that everyone here knows your name, not just in their head, academically, factually, but they would know your name in their heart. Thank you that Jesus came, Jesus is here, and Jesus is coming again. May we slow down and rest in that truth as we share communion together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. 
why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face we want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.